This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For the cheese heads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, previewing the Week 18 Sunday Night Football game between the Packers and the Lions at Lambeau Field. Before we dive into that, though, obviously wanted to take some time to talk about what happened with Damar Hamlin. Obviously, thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and his loved ones. And honestly, I think the entire NFL at this point, because it feels really heavy to have to come on and talk about a football game when a football game feels so trivial. So, Perry, how are you doing? Yeah, that was really hard to watch. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have words. It was tragic. It is. I, I'm hearing that he's on the mend. Um, I know that he's actually at a very, very, one of the best in the country, you know, trauma centers in Cincinnati, which is always nice to hear, but um, that's a 24 year old young man, second year in the league who just dropped like that. Um, I think it just really puts things in perspective um, that while this is a game, like there are, more dangers involved than I think we even realize and like player safety and player health is just simply like not talked about enough. Um, and I'm glad to hear, I know we talked about this a little bit pre-show that teams and coaches are making players like more aware of all the resources they have available to them, whether it's both physical or mental um, health resources. But I think I hope at least that this, event while you don't want something like this to be the catalyst for this but if you're going to take anything out of it is to have I think a broader discussion around you know what the league and what fans expect when it comes to player safety and player health first and foremost yeah definitely Uh, I know Matt LaFleur had said in his presser today that you know he had flea talk to the team about kind of you know what goes into the, the medical responses when something like that happens and, you know, who's on the sideline. And we're so used to seeing things for like knee injuries or even concussions or, mm-hmm. you know, just the, I guess the more rote injuries that occur, but you know, the, the quick response of both medical staffs, you know, on the Buffalo sideline and the Cincinnati sideline, like went a long way. Um, and, you know, like you said, grateful that he happened to be in a city with one of the best medical centers for this kind of a, in the country, but it's still, I mean, it's tough. And, you know, I think it's really easy for us as fans to watch a game and be mad when somebody drops a pass or you root for them to, you know, see the bench for a little bit because they're not performing as you'd expect. But I think what we forget is so many of these guys, I mean, he's a sixth round pick 
in the draft and you know whether he would go on to have an illustrious hall of fame career or if your career kind of fizzles out in the nfl after a couple seasons you know your life can be forever altered by things like this and i think that's what's so important is a lot of these guys i thought i read that they don't even get full coverage you know medical coverage it's like five years and then it's three years and three games you have to have three games into your third season so and then aren't you only covered for like five years and then you lose that too so yes so like this young man if he never plays a down he will not get nfl medical coverage he will not be eligible for his pension and i just think those are the things that like we need to be talking about more um because there's something very wrong with this game being a billion dollar a year industry and it not providing the health benefits that players quite frankly deserve once they're not in the league anymore. Um, I know it's not a fun topic of conversation and it seems to stem solely from the concussion issues and potential you know, risk of CTE, but I think that there are a lot more downstream effects from playing the game of football that we just don't discuss enough. And I know that there are a lot of people online right now like, well, they choose to play this game. Yeah, and you choose to get in your car every day and you still have health insurance if you get into a car accident. So I I don't see the argument there, right? Like this is a 24-year-old man who if – Healthcare in the United States is so expensive and his family is probably going to have to spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, just on this simple ICU stint, depending on how long he's going to be there. And the NFL has not, is under no obligation to help them. And it's just very, very wrong to me. Yeah. I, I don't know how to, you know, respond to that other than the fact that it's true. And, you know, you have guys like Aaron Rodgers who go on the Pat McAfee show, and I think all they can do is kind of, you know, use their influence to shed some light on a lot of this. And, you know, Rodgers talking about the importance of taking a step back and making sure that, you know, especially as men, these these human beings realize that they have the resources available to them to talk about how they're feeling. And, you know, I think he was in the same situation as a lot of us on Monday night where he talked about just completely doom scrolling waiting for an update and not getting an update and just, you know, wanting to, to make sure that uh, everything was okay. Because I think that's what so many of them, you know, needed. I was talking to my mom about it. Who's not like a big football person. She watches football if I'm there, you know, but she doesn't actively just turn it on. And she said that she thought for the first time that a lot of these men looked like little boys. Like she specifically mentioned Josh Allen. And she said that he was, he looked so distraught. And that's when you like take a step back and realize like, yes, they're grown men. Yes, they're playing a very aggressive game. And yes, they're used to taking hits and hitting each other, but they were terrified. And yeah. I think it, it just, it so humanizes everyone on the football field beyond like their fantasy stats and all the things that we typically root for if they're having a good year or a bad year. Like these are, they're younger than us, a lot of them at this yeah. point at our in our lives. And it's horrifying. I don't know why they need humanizing. I think right. that piece of this like is also really pisses me off. Like you should always look at anyone as a human any job. first. Yes. And second as, you know, a player in your on your team. And like I think this has brought out a really beautiful side 
to just like the way people can rally together with love and support. I mean, his charity has raised, I think, what, like $6 million after this. And there's just been an outpouring of, um, like you said, you know, grief and almost like a brotherhood across the league and across just anyone truly who watches and loves the NFL. And I hope that he, you know, gets to wake up and see all that love and see what this has been able to you know, bring people together in such a way. But I also, at the same time, wish we didn't need moments like this in order for unity to happen. Um, obviously a healthy, you know, rivalry and, and things like that are fun, but um, there's a lot of vitriol and a lot of hate that gets thrown around and we forget like this is a game. And I wish, I hope that uh, there's a takeaway of, remembering like we're kind of all in this together sure we we split out into 32 different teams and we're all across the country but there's a couple of things in common one being we love this game and we're all human yeah I mean I think a lot about uh and it gets thrown around every time there's any type of adversity whether it's in a sport or just you know in the world but the Mr. Rogers quote look for the helpers and it's it's nice and comforting to think about looking for helpers when there's times of crisis. But sometimes it would be really nice to just see the helpers without something really tragic and horrifying and scary to happen. Like, yes. like <laughs> that would be ideal. Yeah. I'd rather just see the helpers without having, you know, to endure something tragic first. So, yeah, I do. Before we move on to somehow talk about this Packers Lions game, um, just want to shout out all the people who have been working through yes. this um the people who were on air while this happened just totally unprecedented i thought they did a really um respectful job mm-hmm. uh, that they could have been much much worse um all the other people around the league that cover this um i want a special shout out to our very good friend and someone who used to cover the packers and has been on the show rachel hotmeyer who is now a reporter up in Buffalo and has covered a multitude of tragedies so far this year that have happened up there. Unfortunately, just got back into her home after a snowstorm and is now basically working around the clock to bring everybody the news and the updates that we so desperately scroll through our phones for. She's the one that's out there talking to everyone outside the hospital. So thank you to Rachel and thank you to everyone who um is out there doing doing the work yeah from everyone from local reporters to you know the national spotlight guys like booger mcfarland who i've maybe been critical of from my couch in the past <laughs> like <laughs> these were this was an an all-star kind of performance from them just very respectful and you know didn't speculate didn't do anything that you normally you know kind of cringe at when it happens during an injury just to keep getting live shots thrown to them when they are very clearly having a hard time even speaking or formulating words to be professional and to, you know, be respectful and courteous between Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, everybody I thought did a really nice job. Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark after, you know, the ESPN yeah. broadcast also did a really good job. Just heavy times. And hopefully we get some good news coming out soon because we're kind of, I think all of us craving that right now. Just waiting. Yeah. It's one of those things where I was thinking about how many 
gruesome injuries that we've watched happen on the field. And we are very unfortunately, I think I don't think this is a good thing, like somewhat desensitized to them. Um, You know, even just thinking about like our own players, not even like around the league, but like Devontae Adams has had some horrible hits to the head and, you know, you worry and you wait and you watch and then, you know, you get the thumbs up and you're like, oh, I can, I can breathe. You know, like, we're, like he's okay. He's going to be okay. And then we can continue with this game. And every time the game goes back, you know, on, I'm thinking, like, how do they do this? Mm-hmm. How, how do these guys do this? And then you see something like this happen, like, now we there's a line <laughs> like right. there's just a line at some point where this doesn't matter anymore and it's not going to get played and I don't know when it's going to get played or if it's going to get played and that simply does not matter and this game was huge if you just like take a second and think about what this game meant for the Bills and the Bengals like this was for the one seed this was for home field advantage that does not matter and like it may not matter at all it probably won't ever but I'm glad, I guess, my point here is to say, like, I'm glad we're not so desensitized to this that we just simply go back to football after something happens and that we know, like, at some point, there's just a line that does not get crossed. Yeah, when they initially made the announcement, like, okay, both teams get five minutes to warm up. It's it's just, it was unheard no. of. There was no way that was going to happen. And, you know, credit to both head coaches and you know, members of staff around the league that we, I'm sure, you know, will go unrecognized, but for making the decision for the players as well. Because um, sometimes I think, you know, you, you feel like you have to do what is your, your job requires. I mean, Joe Burrow was warming up, right? Like he, it looked like they were, he was kind of like, okay, well, if I'm going to have to do this. So thankfully, you know, whoever it was, whether it was coaches, players, the league, any, you know, grouping of those people stopping the game and uh, postponing it maybe indefinitely, you know, we're still waiting on that as well to see what happens after week 18, but mm-hmm. glad they, they I, I don't think I could have watched the rest of the game to be quite honest. Yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not. Well, somehow these guys are going to have to go out and play this weekend. Um, there is no Thursday night game, right? So, right. They, they don't have to uh, worry about that, but I think it's going to be really difficult. I think it, there's going to be some hesitancy and some grief and some questions as they trot out there, but <laughs> it's week 18 and they are going to have to play. And there are some really important games to be played for the playoffs um, because somehow we still care about that. <sighs> So I guess we are going to have to try to talk about one of them here (laughs) because also after we recorded our recap show almost immediately, we got the schedule. So the Packers are playing the Lions. Uh, They're the last game of the slate, last game of the regular season, Uh, primetime Sunday Night Football at Lambeau on Sunday. This one will be interesting for a multitude of reasons I'm sure we'll talk about, but mostly I felt the where they slotted the Packers in was extra interesting considering that there are some things that can happen prior to the Packers game that will give them a little bit of an edge or a little bit of a boost. 
I agree. I always have a hard time with week 18. I, I will say I love the change that they made. You know, if, I don't even know if it was like five years, 10 years ago at this point. I like the it's division games because I always feel like you can get up for a division game. If it was like, you know, the Cardinals against the Jets, like, you know, there's not a lot of intrigue in something like that, but you always kind of want to play spoiler for your division. If nothing else, your rival, you don't want them to, to have a better seed, whatever it is. So I like that they made that adjustment to have these games be division games. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it sucks if you're, you know, a Seattle fan and it sucks for a lot of these guys that have incentives in their contracts because you think about, okay, if Seattle wins and the Lions are eliminated before they even come to Lambeau Field, yes, you can say that Dan Campbell is going to have his guys ready to play. They're going to want to be spoilers for the Packers. They're not going to want to let the Packers into the playoffs. It's a division rival. A lot of these guys have incentives in their contracts. You know, they might feel like they have to play to make the money that they're, you know, deserve, especially maybe after you see something like what happened to Damar, where you feel like you need this financial security. So you're going for these incentives. But at the same time, if you see something like that and you don't have anything to play for, where are you at mentally then as far as can you even like, you know, get yourself up to play a game like that? So I think there's a lot, you know, mentally that a lot of these guys are going to be weighing this week where if you're playing a meaningless game, you know, how do you approach going into Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, I don't know. Um, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of questions that players ask them, ask themselves this week that they might not have even thought to ask before or known to ask before. And like, it might be truly like personal decisions, discussions that they have with their families, right? Discussions that I'm sure are taking place in the locker room around like what everyone is comfortable. Like they've called themselves a brotherhood and a fraternity. I've heard it a hundred times this week. And so I'm sure that they're going to be kind of leaning on each other when it comes to that. Um, the Packers don't have a meaningless game. Right. <laughs> they have a very meaningful game. Very simple, simple path. Just win and you're in. Um, but I think the Lions are really going to put up a fight because it's also a meaningful game for them too. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, we talked about it, you know, before we found the schedule out, obviously like 10 minutes after we had sent our <laughs> show to the producer, but yeah, if the, if the Seahawks win, this becomes a meaningless game for the lions. And I think that's where, you know, the schedule is obviously set months in advance, right? The Packers knew their schedule in April. They always knew that they were going to end with two home games against the Vikings and the lions. So I get being frustrated that this game got flexed to Sunday Night Football, which historically favors the Packers at Lambeau Field, especially in the cold. Um, but it's not like they changed like the location of the game or anything like that. The Packers were always going to finish with their two home games. But yeah. I do I do think that this you know, should have been, maybe could have been a 3.30 game because we know that the Packers are going to have a big market and that market will draw in a lot of ratings for Sunday Night Football that a game, you know, let's say like, the Texans and Colts might not otherwise have brought in. Yeah, for sure. And I do think that the way it was flexed besides like take the Seahawks out of it, just looking at purely the individual matchup of Packers lions very much favors the Packers Packers and Aaron Rodgers historically play very well in prime time, especially at home, especially in these conditions. I don't think it's actually going to be that cold in green Bay. It's going to be in like the twenties. Um, but regardless, like that atmosphere at Lambeau for this game um, is going to be an advantage for the Packers for sure. I know you and I are plugged into 
know some people that actually live up there and they're doing everything that they can to make sure tickets are only going to Packers fans, not Lions fans. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a an absolute madhouse. Matt LaFleur has been, since he really started, I would say, <laughs> like very invested in the way that the fans assist this team when it comes to like what they can do. And I mean, you and I were offered to go. We can't, but like I would if I could and I would do everything in my power to make sure that like there are no um no waves on offense. <laughs> but my point being is that like the flex of this game, it favors the Packers. Not like, look, none of this like is, you know, going to move the line for Vegas. Right. Meaning that I don't think it's anything like statistically relevant, but when it comes to the momentum and the energy that the Packers have been kind of riding this last month in their win streak, this should push that along yeah especially i mean thinking about just these two teams are so different also from the last time that they played and i think that's what makes this a really intriguing matchup as well everything you've listed already would favor the packers but on paper you could argue that the lions are better in a lot of categories you know statistically this season maybe the packers are on a little bit of a hotter streak considering you know the lions um struggled against the Panthers and then they got to go beat up on the Bears 41 to 10 that was probably kind of cathartic for them but they were on a three-game win streak you know before they ran into Carolina and they beat the Packers it wasn't a pretty game by any means it was 15 Mm -hmm. to 9 it was just a completely ugly game but they were one of the best (laughs) very winnable and they dropped it but this is just what the fourth best offense in the league in the red zone compared to the Packers who have struggled in the red zone all season just a lot to like on paper for the lions actually yeah and common opponent has its pros and its cons right like these teams know each other they've played each other they fought each other maybe some players have played for both teams and yes i'm thinking about jamal williams who has 15 touchdowns on the year um this offense you know jared goff has been not astronomically phenomenal but he's playing very well. He hasn't thrown an interception since his interception to Jair in week nine. So insane. insane, right? Like he's playing very clean ball. And I think for Jared Goff, that says a lot. Um, he's reached over 4,000 passing yards, right? Like he's doing what he needs to do. And Dan Campbell has his guys ready to go. You want to talk about clean ball and, you know, brotherhood and locker room prowess etc etc like this team plays for each other they play together they play to win they do not care what the score is they play till the clock is zero and they're gonna fight because i think like we said on our last episode the lines haven't been in the playoffs in i don't even know how long matthew stafford made it a handful of times they've only ever made it to a wild card round and lost like this means so much to them and that cannot be discounted. What do you think, you know, the atmosphere is like for knowing all of the th- things that, you know, if Seattle wins at, you know, they find out at like 630 that Seattle wins and they're eliminated. Like, do you think that they're just going to be so defeated by that? No, I don't think they care. Like, I would maybe say that about a couple of other teams. Okay. But I think the Lions are the kind of team that play to the end. That seems to be what they're rallying cry is you know bite the kneecaps off like just simply do not care I actually wouldn't be surprised if Dan Campbell like kept the news from his guys 
like did something like that where it's just like it simply doesn't matter we go out here and we try to win this game unlike the vikings i don't think that the lions are out here like trying to play spoiler i think this win is less about the packers and more for themselves yeah that's a good way to look at it it's very much a culture setting kind of mm-hmm. thing where you know even if they're not eligible for the playoffs the the turnaround honestly that they made to start the season obviously starting with the packer game when they went from 1 and 6 to 2 and 6 and then went on just a complete hot streak. You know, they've got the potential to finish this season above 500. And I think that would go a really long way towards what they're able to do next season and beyond. And, you know, I know we talked in the off season before the season had even started that, you know, we weren't going to like, you know, head to Vegas and put Super Bowl odd favorites as a Lions team, but they felt like, you know, a Bengals team from a couple of years ago, where if you get the right pieces in place, they can be like a surprise team that, can inch their way towards the playoffs. And I think they did it maybe a year sooner than we were expecting, but the turnaround is really impressive. And especially, you know, after the draft and getting guys like Aiden Hutchinson, a complete, you know, locker room leader going to change their defense astronomically. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown in his second season, just, you know, over a thousand yards on the season. So a lot of uh, really impressive players for them. That'll be around for a long time. Yeah. They're really starting to build something here. And They do, they have, you know, we want to talk about weapons. They have a really, really nice trio of weapons in Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, So the Packers defense is not going to have like a cakewalk of an evening. Um, They're going to have to play, I think, genuinely like they played against the Vikings, right? Um, Focus on, you know, Aim on Ross St. Brown in the past game, focus on stopping the run and do your best to get to Jared Goff. That that should really be the formula. I'd love to see them stay aggressive. Um, who knows what kind of night Goff will have, but if he makes even a tiniest of mistakes, you know, jump that route, get that ball, play ball hawk. Um, the the Packers have a nice chance, I genuinely genuinely believe, of of winning this game. They just have to play like the clean ball that we've been seeing the last month. Yeah, I agree. And I think turnovers, again, are going to be really important. You had mentioned it, obviously, already about Jared Goff and how he is not throwing interceptions like we're maybe used to seeing from him in the past. Um, So just forcing, you know, some of these teams to make mistakes. Kirk Cousins was having, you know, a really safe season where he wasn't making mistakes and then, you know, comes out to Lambeau and guys like Jair are getting theirs and, you know, just – the defense as a whole has looked a lot better. We talked about it with Justin Jefferson and Jair kind of shadowing him. Maybe we'll see some of that with Amon Ra yeah. this week. But but unlike the Vikings, like this Lions team has a positive point differential. Like they're putting yes. up numbers. Fourth and like you said, I think the red zone is key here. Just honestly keep them out of the red zone because I think once they're down there, you're going to have a really, really tough tough task ahead of you yeah and I mean we know obviously Jamal Williams is capable of kind of busting one open but he's got 15 touchdowns for a reason and a lot of them have come in the red zone where they're ranked fourth in the league um the Lions obviously they're a different team when they're not playing at Ford Field I know their numbers are you know at least midway through the season they were like staggeringly different where they were putting up you know tons and tons of points at home and then on the road they tend to struggle um but it just, I mean, even if you go back to the the game that they played at Ford Field on paper, 
the Packers were in it and honestly played better, you know, from they have better numbers as far as they threw for almost 300 yards. They registered a sack. The Lions, you know, didn't get anything against Rodgers. But it was just the Packers played really ugly football. They had three turnovers. It was just a really sloppy kind of game. And to to end with only nine points, obviously you're not finishing drives. And we've seen this Packers offense grow by leaps and bounds, I think, since that game um, where they're actually able to move the football and put up points, although probably not as many points as we're used to seeing them or at least not finishing drives like we're used to them doing. I want to talk about this line's defense because a lot has changed also since the Packers last played them. Um, Not that it mattered this last game, but they went into the game and it was their they were the worst defense in the league. Yep. Um, and they are not anymore. Um, and I want to highlight a couple of guys that have really like come on, I guess, over the last stretch. And like one being obviously their first round pick and Aiden, Hutchin- Hutchin- Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, I can't speak. Um, who is at seven and a half sacks, just like being a total disruptor and everything that I think the Lions hoped for when they picked him as early as they did. The Packers offensive line, I thought played really, really well against the Vikings tandem, pass rush tandem, but they're definitely going to have, they're going to have their work cut out for them on Sunday night against the Lions because they also don't really give up. Um, I'm hoping that the line stays the same because they definitely had their best five out there, but they're going to need them again. Yeah. I mean, this Kirby Joseph leads the team with three interceptions. Two of them came against Aaron Rodgers that week. I also am like kind of mind boggled that Aiden Hutchinson has three interceptions on the season. You know, that's just really, you know, funny for a defensive end, but yeah, just in general. I mean, I think this is a Packers team that's really kind of come on. Christian Watson had two receptions for 24 yards in his first game against Detroit. Obviously, we've seen the production from him. Romeo Dobbs coming back. He had one catch in that game. You know, Sammy Watkins was still active as a Green Bay Packer in that game. So I think we're going to see a lot more from this offense. Like you said, you know, kind of digging into that bag of tricks. We talked about it the last couple weeks. There's packages for Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, especially at Lambeau in the cold. That's really going to favor this Packers offense. Yeah. I do want to talk about the Packers defense a little bit because we saw them against the Vikings, especially that defensive front. I think that they weren't getting a ton of credit. And yes, the Vikings offensive line is not good um, and continues to look banged up heading into the playoffs. The The Lions offensive line is better. So I think that's going to be one of the keys to this game on Sunday is can this defensive line one generate pressure, of course, and to stop the run because they did a decent job of it. Uh, In this first outing, I think the Lions finished with under 120 yards rushing, which honestly isn't great. But, you know, it was a winnable game. Um, Mm -hmm. They just need to do the same thing on Sunday at Lambeau. Yes, they do. Yeah, I really do think the run game is going to be key here. Like I said, I think they're two of their best weapons are are their backs. And they have a slightly banged up offensive line at the moment. Ragnow and Evan Brown are on, but like, I don't. I can't see anyone on this team and by on, I mean the injury report. Um, But I can't see anybody on this line's team not playing. And you're absolutely correct. Like this is going to be their starting line. This is not Packers are not unfortunately going to get a, 
you know, third string center that they can they can beat up on. But I do think that this front has the capabilities to beat up on any offensive line if they're playing the way that they've been playing and they have the healthy rotation that they've been using. I hate to say it, but I actually think the front has played better without Dean Lowry. I think TJ Slayton and um, Devontae Wyatt have deserved more snaps and have really proven that they can be super disruptive when they're in the game as often as they have been. So I think that should be a positive um, coming into this game where you're going to need guys, you know, really big bodies like them, you know, up front to not just stop the run, but they've been able to bat passes down, right. Create some pressure. So pretty like well-rounded, I would say for guys who haven't had too much playing time and are not starters. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a really good point. And the last phase I kind of want to talk about because it's fun to talk about it finally is special teams. And, you know, oh, yeah. the Lions the Lions have a good one, good returner and Khalif Raymond. He has a punt return for a touchdown this season. Um, so I think field position is also going to be huge. You said it. The weather is not going to be terrible. It doesn't look like it's going to snow. It's going to be in the low 30s, high 20s. Um, so having a guy like Keyshawn Nixon who can – break one at any time, but also can just flip the field, I think is going to be huge for this Packers team, especially if they do kind of start to struggle in the red zone. If they can get closer to the red zone before they start their drive, it, it goes a long way. And it's a lot different than, you know, the Amari Rogers experience that we had the first week where I think he had one return for like 10 yards. So I think that's going to, that's going to say a lot too about this team because for every, you know, shining moment that we have with a Nixon 105 yard return, we also have a blocked punt that starts to drive for the opposing team on the one yard line. So you, you take the good with the bad, but thankfully there seems to be more good than bad lately. Yes. Our um, NFC player of the week, Keyshawn Nixon to be exact. Yeah. You'll love to see it. Any other thoughts about this game? I mean, other than this is that this is do or die. Um, Look, I think there were a lot of really fluky things about the game in the earlier part of the season. I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to throw multiple interceptions. I don't expect the Packers to go down to the red zone three times to come away with zero points. This offense is a night and day um, difference. So this is a game that the Packers have to win. Um, I know Aaron Rodgers said he doesn't like must win, calling things must wins, but that's pretty much what this is. I do (laughs) want to point out as well that I know we both feel like we're going to get another season of Aaron Rodgers, but you can't help but think about that this, whatever decision he makes in this offseason, this might be his last game at Lambeau, Mm -hmm. which is very strange because you said it. They're going to be, no matter what, they're, they're just a seventh seed, so... There's no home games after after this. This is it. And I know that he doesn't want to harp on it and players, I'm sure, like this is that's not their focus at all, but that is certainly in the back of my mind. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, a lesson for everybody watching, everybody that is going to the game. You know, it it's special and cherish it. And, you know, every offseason we've kind of wondered if this would be it. And we talked about how Aaron doesn't want to go out on a down note. If he misses the playoffs, there's no way. But it's like you said, they could make the playoffs and then have three road games and then obviously a Super Bowl on the road if they were to get that far for away games. So definitely, you know, special regardless. And I think it'll it'll be a really cool atmosphere to be a part of on Sunday. So if you're going to be there, obviously get very loud, 
don't mm-hmm. sell your tickets to Lions fans and uh, make sure to cherish it because it's actually going to be some pretty good weather uh, by Wisconsin standards in January. So you won't be freezing, but you'll still have fun. All right. Last but not least, score prediction. I'm going to say 34-28 Packers. I like it. I was going to say 31-28. So we're in the same we're in the same ballpark here. Packers have to win this one. I'm not I'm not picking them to lose this game and I think there will be points um not necessarily as many as last week for both teams, but their points will be scored. Yeah, this this Lions offense is too good and I think the Packers defense is going to keep them in it. You know, I think that there will be opportunities, but I think the Packers offense is going to going to come out on top here at home with the fans and it's going to send them into a nice little uh run the table situation into the playoffs where they will either be playing it looks like the vikings or the 49ers in the first wild card round but we'll talk about that all right that is all the time that we have for today's show you can find the podcast on twitter at pwss podcast you can find perry on twitter at perry underscore goldstein you can find me on twitter at maggie j loney you can also find the podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts make sure you download the show really helps us out you can also find the podcast on social media at that's what she said enjoy the game on sunday and hopefully we're back talking about another matchup next week go pack go go pack go